Next, ReachMD presents this month's special series, Focus on Nutrition and Nutrition Science. As increasing evidence points to nutrition as a key factor in disease prevention and management, we're highlighting current topics, research, and best practices in the field. Once considered to be a problem of adulthood, kidney stones are now emerging in children as young as age 5. What factors are responsible for this condition, and what can we do to reverse the trend of increasing childhood kidney stones? You're listening to ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm your host, Dr. Jennifer Hsu, practicing general pediatrician and author. Our guest is Dr. Bruce Sloggenhop, assistant professor of urology and co-director of the Pediatric Kidney Stone Clinic at the University of Wisconsin School of Medicine in Madison. Welcome, Dr. Sloggenhop. Well, thank you. It's nice to be here. Now, how often are you seeing kidney stones in children? Because I don't recall ever seeing one myself. <laughs> uh, you know, I hadn't seen many children with kidney stones throughout my residency and fellowship. But uh, during the past couple of years, we're seeing now on average here in Madison about one child per week with a kidney stone. And now that's coming into your kidney stone clinic, correct? It's not what a general pediatrician might expect to see. That is absolutely correct. We have created a multidisciplinary uh, referral center here for children with kidney stones. But you're absolutely right. The frontline general pediatrician or family practice physician is not going to see that many children with kidney stones in their practice. Now, are there good data on how many stones are occurring now in kids? The data is anecdotal based on group reports or series reports from different universities. And all the reports that are coming out are predicting or showing that there are more children presenting with stones now than had in the past. And these are more true cases, not just more diagnoses. These are more true cases of unique patients with first incidence of kidney stones, yes. Well, before we get into the reasons why that might be happening, do you know if there are more cases of kidney stones in adults as well? I do not believe so. I think what is happening in the adult literature, to the best of my knowledge, is that there is a change in the demographics of patients with kidney stones. And by that, I mean, historically, men formed more kidney stones than women did. And now the adult literature is starting to see more women form kidney stones than had in the past. So the ratio disparity between men and women is narrowing. But I do not think that in the adult literature, they're seeing more patients with kidney stones. However, I I must confess, I don't read the adult stone literature that closely. Mm -hmm. Well, they're pretty common to begin with anyway. Uh, I I think I saw a quote about 10% of people will have a kidney stone in their lifetime. So so basically, they're common in adults. Yes. Well, are you finding that there is a, a gender disparity in children now as well? Actually, that's some of the work we're looking at. And no, we're finding in children, boys and girls, Girls form stones at equal ratios. And what we're looking at here in Madison is actually normal children's urine, and that's a separate side project that I'm working on. We're trying to quantify the elements of healthy children's urine so we can see at what point the ratio of calcium and citrate and oxalate and things such as that change so that the children's urine becomes more reflective of adult urine and therefore predisposes them to develop more kidney stones. So you're mentioning some of the, I guess, compounds that could be found concentrated in the urine and collected stone. So what are kidney stones made of in children? Are they the same as what causes kidney stones in adults? For the most part, yes. Calcium oxalate is the most common 
type of kidney stone found in adults, and it's also the most common type of kidney stone found in children. Are there some other key types that you, you see? There are two different calcium oxalate stones. There are monohydrate and dihydrate, and we're seeing a fairly equal ratio of the two. Another component oftentimes found in stones is calcium phosphate, and we're seeing calcium phosphate as our second leading type of kidney stone in children. So why do you think we're seeing more kidney stones in children now? You know, this is all theorized, but we believe it probably has to do with the increase in salt in children's diets compared to years ago. It is very difficult to avoid salts in foods these days, either pre-packaged prepared foods, perhaps from a box or a can in the grocery store, oftentimes will have salt in it. Certainly fast foods are filled with salt. And with the change demographics and the changing workforce in America and the different pressures placed on families these days, it's more and more difficult for a child to come home and have a well-balanced meal for dinner. Oftentimes, lunch at school might have more sodium in it now than it used to, and even some of the breakfast uh, sandwiches or breakfast to-go in a box meals are filled with salt. So we're theorizing that the increase in salt is most likely contributing to the increase in kidney stones. So how exactly would the increase in salt intake translate into the calcium oxalate compounds forming? Sure, that's a great question. Our kidney handles salt and calcium in a very similar manner. So if we increase the amount of salt that our body sees, that our digestive system sees, that salt is going to get absorbed by the intestine, it will enter the blood, it will go to the kidneys where it is to be excreted, and in order to excrete so much salt from our diets, our kidneys also need to take some calcium with the salt. And so therefore we have more calcium going into our urine as well. So then the urine ends up having a higher calcium concentration in it. If you've just joined us, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Jennifer Shu. Our guest is Dr. Bruce Slogenhop, Assistant Professor of Urology and Co-Director of the Pediatric Kidney Stone Clinic at the University of Wisconsin School of Medicine in Madison. We're discussing the increased prevalence of kidney stones in children, and we're talking about how salt intake can contribute to kidney stones. Do you advise the children that you see with kidney stones to then decrease their salt intake? Well, what we do in Madison is we have the children and their parents see three different specialists. I'm one of them. I'm the urologist. So my role in this is to be the surgeon who helps treat stones once they're formed. And by treat, I mean give advice on how to remove the stones, either letting them pass spontaneously or doing a surgical procedure to remove the stone. We also have the children seen by one of our pediatric nephrologists, and that is usually Dr. Sharon Bartosh. Her area of expertise is to look at the children's electrolytes from their blood and also look at 24-hour urine collections. And we will analyze the 24-hour urine collection to see if the children are excreting too much salt or into the urine or too much oxalate, which binds to calcium, or if they're excreting too much calcium in the urine, or if they're not secreting enough 
of a chemical called citrate. Citrate actually helps to prevent stone formation. So we'll analyze their urinary constituents, and then we have them meet with another specialist, a registered dietitian, whose name is Chris Penniston. And Chris's role is to interpret the data that we have gathered and then translate that into a diet that is manageable for the children and their families. So we oftentimes will ask them to reduce their salt intake or reduce their oxalate intake, oftentimes found in high-protein meals or spinach or nuts or some other green leafy vegetables. Very rarely do we recommend that they reduce their calcium intake because, as you know, calcium is very important for young children's health and growth. Now, you mentioned a lot of different nutrients. And what about fat intake? Does that have any effect on the formation of kidney stones? Well, fat gets converted to oxalate oftentimes. And so we would try to have them reduce their fat intake. You know, we're, we're seeing an epidemic right now of childhood obesity. And there are some thoughts that the kidney stone increase might be associated with the obesity epidemic. We've looked at our numbers here in Madison, and although some of the children that we have seen with kidney stones have very, very high BMI numbers, most of the children that we're seeing with kidney stones have a more normal range of BMI, indicating that they're not necessarily obese, but there is still something uh, with their diet that's contributing to their stone formation. Now, what about a child's intake of water? It seems like as a treatment for kidney stones, you you tell them to drink a lot of water. Could that be a, a means of prevention as well? Yes. And that's some of the easiest and cheapest advice we can give to children is to just drink plenty of water. You know, the myth about drinking eight glasses of water a day was Mm -hmm. recently debunked. And of course, since we're talking about children of different ages and different weights and different heights, it's really difficult for me to give give my patients an estimate as to how much they should drink in terms of uh, water intake. My general rule of thumb to my folks with kidney stones is if they urinate and the urine in the toilet bowl looks yellow, they're not drinking enough liquid. And so I will tell them to try to every often look in the toilet before they flush, and if the urine looks yellow, they should continue to drink more. And it's a pretty easy rule of thumb for most children to understand and to work with. That's an excellent tip. Now, why do the children say they're not drinking enough water in the first place? Are they filling up on different beverages? Well, to some extent, they're filling up on caffeinated beverages. It's incredible how many children are drinking either soda with caffeine, which eventually dehydrates you. If you drink a can of soda with caffeine in it, you're probably going to urinate about a can and a quarter of urine. And after doing that two or three times a day, you're going to end up being very thirsty and dehydrated. So I generally try to steer the children away from caffeinated beverages. Also, we get concerned about some of the high fructose corn syrup content in uh, some beverages. That's really based on my own bias about high fructose corn syrup and obesity and inadequate nutritional standards, but there aren't any good studies that I know of that actually show an association between high fructose corn syrup and kidney stones. Now, one of the logistical problems I've heard from students is that they just don't have time to go to the bathroom 
bathroom or have time to drink water. Or if they need to go to the bathroom, they have to, you know, get permission. It's just um, impractical. So what, how do you deal with that? Well, I agree. Times are very different from when I was a child in elementary or high school. And I do hear a lot of restrictions being placed on children. You know, I will write a note. I try to make it look official. I try to say things such as my patient needs to be encouraged to drink more fluids and patient needs to be able to use the restroom. But I also talk with the kids and tell them, you know, this isn't a free pass. This doesn't necessarily mean that you can talk with your friends during the breaks between classes. And then as soon as the teacher asks you a question, you suddenly have to use the restroom. So there is also some give and take involved with this. There is some respect for limits that we try to set. But yes, it's more difficult now for children. From from what I'm hearing, it's more difficult for children to just freely use the restroom when they need to. In our last few minutes left, why don't we talk a little bit about prevention and what other things might might be done to reverse the trend of, of kidney stone development in children? Maybe things like medication or I've even heard of probiotics? Yes, we use probiotics more to help prevent urinary tract infections than we use them here in Madison for prevention of kidney stone formation. Our main recommendation for prevention is to drink lots of fluid and particularly some of the work that Chris Peniston has done as well as others is starting to show that drinking lemonade can be very helpful because of the high citrate content in lemonade. As I mentioned, citrate binds to oxalate and then prevents the oxalate from binding to calcium. So that can be a helpful stone preventative measure. I'd like to thank our guest, Dr. Bruce Sloggenhop. We've been discussing the increased prevalence of kidney stones in children. I'm Dr. Jennifer Shu. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Please visit our website at reachmd.com, which features on-demand podcasts of our entire library. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to this month's special series, Focus on Nutrition and Nutrition Science. For downloadable podcasts of programs in this series, go to ReachMD.com and choose the series, Focus on Nutrition and Nutrition Science.